Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Through the Keyhole. I'm actually not in my mother's basement this time. I'm in a different space, an undisclosed location, joined by a very special guest. And if you listen to the Tuesday Pod, you know who this is. But if you haven't, I'm going to punish you and not let you know who it is until like the next few minutes. But again, patreon.com slash through the keyhole, which you already know about. Go check out all the other podcasts we've got coming out this week. Alan did some stuff. Peyton did some stuff. You already know that. But again, from an undisclosed location with a special guest, and I'll just kind of start it off like this. Uh, Sir, like, why does on three hate David Stone? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I, I wish I knew. No, it, it was uh, something that we had known that was going to be coming out, and I definitely don't like agree with the ranking that David Stone had. But at the same time, I think that uh, I don't. I don't know. I always kind of battle between like, should OU fans be like pissed off and sending death threats to people because of something <laughs> like that? No, the answer is no. But uh, I don't think that that's going to uh, affect or create a uh, you know problem for David Stone becoming a, a big-time defensive tackle at Oklahoma. No, I mean, it, it, look, I'm, I'm sure you guys had a voice in the room when that you know when these rankings come out. I think we do. I it, think Josh does, but I stay so far away from that kind of stuff that uh, I don't know. I don't know if I should admit this. At the end of the day, I don't know if I'd necessarily care. Uh, but at the same time, he's like I've always thought the conversation between the top 30 you know, player in the country versus like, so you're number 30 versus number, you know, five or whatever. It's like, these guys are the best of the best high school football players in the country. I think that we get so caught up in being, you know, a number as opposed to like, okay, this guy's a top hundred player. Hey, that's really, really good. Sorry. You're good. Don't ever let that happen again. I won't. I thought it was off. I <laughs> no, thought it was off. I'm was, so embarrassed right now. Was that David Stone calling? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It's the off season, and so this is the time of year where, like, you know, that gap between the the 30th best player in the country and sure. the fifth best player in the country truly matters because there's nothing to brag about. There's there are no games being played, and so I mean, like, the portal has basically made an entire bragging rights content machine unto itself by yeah. like, you know, you feel like you are you are sorely missing out. You feel like that you are sorely like losing the the competition battle, the talent battle. If Hayes Fawcett hasn't put out a fucking graphic about some player committing to your school. And so when David Stone is 
a consensus five-star this, he's best, blah, 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 goes to all these camps and kicks all this ass, but because one person says, ah, I don't know, right? and it, a big fancy graphic goes all over Twitter or X, whatever the fuck it's called, um, it just makes people upset because there's nothing else to do. Sure. Anything. Well, and I think that that's part of the passion within college athletics. I mean, from the like the core of it, it's a fan base, whether it be Oklahoma or Missouri or Tennessee or Ole Miss or, you know, whoever, they want to be able to go into the office or to the message boards or to X or to, you know, wherever and be able to brag about something. Not and messenger. I think that, like, at the end of the day, that that's sports fans in general. They want to be able to hype up the team uh, that they cheer for or, you know, I think for the most part, I think that there's also some enjoyment out of being able to rub your nose in or, you know, the opponent's nose in whatever. I, so I... I get it. I do. And I, I, I appreciate that for a, to a certain aspect. I mean, no, I mean, well, real quick, let's back up just a tad, because like I said, undisclosed location, it's right around the corner from my office, actually, around campus. Uh, but speaking of on three, this is what on three money looks like. <laughs> oh my God. I, well, I, I will say on three, the move has been great for us at Sooner Scoop. But at the same time, I think that uh, this is also a... Uh, a vision of Kerry Murdoch that uh, I always like, he always wants to add something in here or, you know, bring in a new 4k camera. And it's always like, do we need that? But I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, his vision of kind of where we're at now is it, it's been there for, you know, since I really, since I started with him 10 years ago now. So it's, uh, you know, come together. And I think that, you know, certainly has helped that Oklahoma has been very, very good over the last, you know, 20 plus years. Uh, in terms of, you know, I think what a successful program is, you could probably argue and have the pushback of have they been dominant over the last, you know, five years or whatever. But, yeah, it, it's all kind of come together. It's It's been a lot of fun. I mean, OU football is one thing, but OU basketball, you got you and George been fighting the good fight about how, OK, they're not elite. But I mean, they're still good. They're they're much better than where they've been than where they've been. I will say there was a point on Wednesday night when they were playing up in Manhattan, and you know you start seeing the sixteen point, eighteen point leads slip away. Debacle of a game, and it was like, oh shit, am I going to have to go into radio on uh, Thursday morning, or I mean, (laughs) uh, Wednesday morning? And be like, okay, yeah, uh, maybe they need to make a move at head coach. But Uh, no, it, it it is kind of funny though. Like you get on Twitter and. Uh, wherever on social media and they go lose at Kansas and people are talking about, well, now they can't win the big 12. It's like, when did the goalpost be, when was that moved? I there, this is a good team. And considering what it's been over there at Lloyd Noble center over the last two years and Porter's first two years, I mean, they're so much better than they have been. And I think that, you know, if you can just make the tournament and keep progressing and maybe you win a couple games and all of a sudden you're playing in the second weekend. So it's uh, it's been fun. Like I, I enjoy watching this team a lot more than I have over the last couple of years. Maybe that's saying more oh, about yeah. where they've been. Yeah, like admittedly, I'm a Porter Moser fan. Like I, I, I want him to do well. Not sure. not, not just because he's always basketball coach, but because I individually liked the guy. Yeah. Um, before Great the guy. hire was made, I think like what he's done just in terms of being in front of the fan base. He's and knowing manufactured that excitement. Like, sure. He's, like com- he's manufactured conversation because. Say what you want about Long Kruger. Like, I've got my opinions about him. Personally, he's a great human being. Oh, yeah. I want to put that out there. But OU basketball, unless they had Trey Young or unless they had Buddy Heald, they they weren't... Lawn wasn't, like, throwing OU basketball into the thrust of the conversation. Sure. Even, even after football season ended. So, I appreciate that about Porter because it has to start somewhere. Yeah. I, I, and I think that, like, there is an appetite for the fan base. And, you know, I think that, that kind of gets into the conversation of the Lloyd Noble Center and, you know, the the vote that's about to come down or whenever that thing may be 
to get a new arena. And I think that, you know, it, it's hard to sit here and say from a university standpoint, if you look at what they did at Foster Pavilion in, in uh, Waco, or you look at the Moody Center, or you look at any of these new arenas, Auburn's just opened a couple years ago. It's hard to say that that wouldn't contribute to a better environment. And does that mean that they beat Texas or Texas Tech last week? I don't know. I mean, I think that there is a certain element or a certain argument that you could make that with a better atmosphere, maybe maybe you aren't able to execute as well on the defensive end or the offensive end in, in those cases. So it's uh, it's always kind of one of those interesting conversations too, Brady, that like I think that nationally or maybe even locally to a certain extent, people don't realize like how successful OU basketball has been. Over I've, the last I've yelled about that for 40 years. Like it's a really, really good program. If you look at the history of OU basketball, you look at all the metrics, you look at the players, the coaches – um, the impact that the OU basketball has had on the game of basketball. It's a top 25 program. And if they had won that title in 1988, they might even be viewed as a top 15 program. Like that's how good they yeah. are. It's seriously like the only detriment that OU basketball has is they've got an abysmal record against Kansas and they've got a piss poor home environment. Yeah. Like, th- th- those are the only two things. And OU football is so hugely successful for such a long period of time. And unlike, you know, like other blue blood schools in football that have some recent success in basketball, like Alabama, um, like OU football has had five or six bad seasons since 1947. Alabama football has had a lot of bad seasons sure. between now and then. Sure. And so you're able to kind of, I guess, spread the wealth in terms of like your athletic department of it, not just all being f- centered around football. And I know Alabama football fans are like, no, it, I eat shit and breathe yeah. Alabama football, yeah. but it allows for basketball. It allows for track. It allows for baseball, softball, all these other sports to at least grow their fan bases. Um, I guess from a personal perspective, but yeah, OU basketball just, it needs a new home. It deserves a home. It deserves a better home. But I mean, I'll say like, no matter what happens the rest of this season, I mean, Porter's third year. I mean, I like what I see. You just, you just need to get lucky through the portal because yeah. I mean, two years in a row, it seemed like he hit all the needs that you could get out of the portal. But you know, you bring guys in from lower competition and they get it in the big 12 and it's just like, uh, yeah, they yeah. don't, they don't have it, but you don't know that until you like watch them play on a big 12 floor. And so you're just hoping that, well, maybe next year they just get lucky and they find a guy who can make plays with the ball in his hands. Sure. And I think that that's something that, and it's going to take some time. And I think that like, that's one of the things that like with any sports, you know, franchise or whatever, whether it be professional or college, like patience in the building of a program. And uh, you know, if, if you want to take like the glass half full perspective, you look at what he has with uh, Los Suzon and Otega Owe and their sophomore seasons, they've stacked, two top 100 classes. They're off to a really good start. They signed a really good class in the 2024 group. And you're right. Like you do like to take that next step. You're going to have to go out and get one of those big time, big name transfer portal guys. And in the world of college basketball right now, if you're not Kentucky or Duke or, you know, whoever, you're probably not going to get that guy to campus unless you're throwing massive and massive amounts of money at him. And I think that, you know, with uh, OU's NIL efforts right now, uh, basketball is probably just not getting that allocated <laughs> money. Let's be honest about it. So it's uh, it's interesting though. Like I think that this is a team that can make some noise if they get hot at the right time. They have some nice pieces. Uh, 
and we would be talking about this thing drastically different had they just won a game last week against Texas or Texas Tech, both games that were very winnable, uh, especially the Tech game with all the missed free throws. So it's uh, I love college basketball. Like I, I think that like some of my fondest memories growing up and coming to games, it probably wasn't over at the football stadium. We came to all the games. We enjoyed them. But, you know, growing up in the 90s, there wasn't a whole lot to uh, be happy about. And I think that, like, going and watching, you know, the Ryan Miners or Ernie Abercrombies of the world, that's, like, that's kind of where, like, the fandom really went to is college basketball. And, uh, you know, college football is always going to be number one around here. But it's a lot more fun when you have a basketball team that can uh, kind of break up the monotony of what is an offseason. Oh, yeah. If you have the chance to go watch Ryan Miner go like, I mean, especially in a Kelvin Sampson offense where you're just essentially beat the living fuck out of the other team physically. (laughs) If you have a chance to watch that or, hey, Donovan McNabb and Syracuse are coming to Norman. which I remember that. And there might be 32,000 people in the stands. Like, which one are you going to pick? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And, like, I I wanted to uh, touch on something you'd mentioned earlier when we started talking about basketball about, like, yeah, at some point, the expectations got super high with this team very fast. I mean, they had a, a more than impressive non-conference performance. And even, you know, I talked about it on the last pod, even their their um, game against North Carolina, I kind of walked away thinking, like, I, was, I, I, liked, I liked it. They started piss poor. They turned the ball over a thousand times. But when they settled into it, it was fairly back and forth even. Like, OU showed that they can, they can keep up with a team like that. They just cannot afford to start so slow. Just don't do that, and you can win in the Big 12. Well, they started slow against Kansas, and then they started slow against Texas. You know? Yeah. So, like, at the end of the day, though, like, yeah, the expectations kind of jumped into the sky. And segueing back into football, I mean, last year, that's exactly what happened with the football team. I think we all could look, we, you look at the schedule, and you're like, yeah, SMU might be tough. Um, we have no idea what Cincinnati is going to be like this year in terms of a, of a football team, but it's still a road game. It's their first Big 12 game. You don't know how that's going to go. So if they're able to go through unscathed and get to Texas, I mean, maybe you're talking about, you know, you you probably lose the Texas game. Maybe you're still talking about a 10-win season. That's great. They beat Texas, and all of a sudden you have to, you have to think, well, playoff, right? You walked out of the Cotton Bowl thinking not only is this a playoff team. I mean, we did it. We sat here and did YouTube shows. We did, uh, you know, stories. We did podcast about walking yeah, you lied out of the Bowl thinking, okay, this team's not only really good, but Dylan Gabriel's going to go to New York City. Uh, you have Brent Venables that's going to probably be the head coach of the year uh, in the Big 12. Like, it was, it was sky's the limit, and especially because of the way that they won that game, it was like, oh, so this is like a team of destiny type deal. <laughs> and then obviously, you know, the Lawrence and Stillwater happenings, which I think that it's still wild to me that if they just get through one of those games, not only are you playing for a Big 12 championship, but you're probably uh, playing Texas again for the right to go to a college football playoff. And think about like how just incredibly different the narrative is out there for this team if you're playing in the Big 12 championship, if you're playing for a college football playoff bid. It's it's wild, but I think that that also probably highlights just the you know cliche line about how, you know, game of inches type deal like yeah you just get a couple breaks here or there and all of a sudden this thing looks a lot better than what probably feel like and i still think that like going into 2024 the schedule is terrifying just because of the (laughs) unknown but at the same time you're going to be putting a defense out on the field that's probably about as good on paper as they've had in maybe a decade like truly with with players and you know the offense is going to be i think really really good they have good skill talent so you just got to be able to block for uh, Jackson Arnold. I know, Eddie, like 
you guys, Sooner Scoop, you guys have great relationships with the program. You've got, you know, inside sources and I, and I respect all that, but I, if, if at all possible, I'd like to go down this little route. Yeah. Um, Please, he's, he's, I, this he's, is he's, he's this not, is more terrifying than the schedule because I think I know where we're at. Well, I was gonna say, the Spirit Shop has been Norman's source for wine, beer, and spirits since 1976. We feature the biggest selection and best prices in town. Thousands of different wines, beers, spirits, and more. Live in Norman? We deliver all over town every day, usually in under an hour. Let us bring the party to you. Go to our website and order online at www.thespiritshop.org or give us a call at 405-321-3100. That's 405-321-3100. In from out of town for the game? Come see us at the corner of Main and Barry, just two miles east of I-35. Take the Main Street exit and browse thousands of fine wines and hard-to-find bourbon in store. He's not here anymore. And you mentioned the Lawrence thing and you mentioned the Stillwater thing. Okay. So Jeff Levy, I know everything is geared to tell me that, you know, his offenses are great and you got the third best offense of the country, blah, 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 blah. What I'm hoping with Seth Luttrell and I guess to an extent, Joe John Finley, not knowing like what his actual role will be on Mm -hmm. game day in terms of play calls. But what I'm hoping is, you know, exactly what Seth Luttrell said to you guys um, during uh, the Alamo Bowl um, buildup about how, if I have to run the ball 50 times, I'll do it. If I have to throw the ball 50 times, I'll do it. I appreciate that because, you know, even going back to 2015 with Lincoln Riley, OU fans have had to, quote unquote, endure the guru offensive coordinator where it will work 90% of the time. Yeah. But then you'll have games where it's like, no, we're going to run my way because I'm a genius. Yeah. And I could not help but feel that way about Jeff Levy. And his post-game comments rarely ever made me feel any better about yeah, it. He, he, he did not help himself, and that's when he... Did talk to the exactly, media. and so I, I, I'm guess I'm guessing I'm just trying to ask you, like moving forward, can you still not at least subtract from the program in losing an offensive coordinator like Jeff Lebby, who you know, to his credit, he throws out results. Yeah, they they were really really good, uh, and you know I think that that was like kind of the biggest like fork in the road for him was because you are throwing out these offenses that are top five in the country. You are moving the ball at an exceptional pace, even considering what Oklahoma fans were used to under Lincoln Riley. But at the same time, you would get into tight games. You would get into moments where it's like you pick up a first down, whether it be Stillwater or Lawrence, you win the football game and you weren't able to do it because you were so dead set in your ways of trying to do something that probably when you could have done something a lot easier and not show off that you have this like just you know, full grasp of an, of being an offensive football coach. It's, it's so weird too, because like, I, I like Jeff and I think he's going to be a pretty dang good head coach by Mississippi state standards of whatever that means. i like, I think he'll get that, move it in the right direction. But at the same time, it's, you look at, uh, you know, kind of everything around you and what, you know, particularly like with what this 2024 team has, I'm kind of excited to see what Seth Luttrell does. I like the mentality that he's going to be able to match up with Bill Beatenbow or Joe John Finley. And I think that you will see them be able to, uh, you know, certainly try to be a little bit more smash mouth, if you will, but still having that same basic identity of what Seth wants to do. Uh, and I think that a lot of that goes into just thinking that a former fullback is going to know the importance of having guys in the game that are going to be able to, uh, you know, further what he wants to do, whether that be the tight end or whether that be having a, a bigger fullback H back type look. 
Yeah, I mean, the question for me is this, what side of his brain is going to work on Saturday? Sure. Is it going to be the fullback side of his brain? Sure. Or the Mike Leach side of his brain? Sure. And it's like there, there can be a perfect marriage there. And when you've got a quarterback like Jackson Arnold, who I mean, in the limited time that we got to watch him play, at least seems to possess the tools that can – uh, you know, lead in that type of system very, yeah. very well. Um, my, I'm still like my biggest thing other than the offensive line, and that's its own separate conversation. But um, as excited as I would be for the running back room, uh, because I mean, as of right now, Javante Barnes is still an Oklahoma Sooner. And yeah. uh, if you'd asked me three months ago, like in February, is that the case? I'd be like, probably not. Um, we saw what Gavin Sawchuck was able to do the last, um, the second half of the season. And then you got the uh, number one running back, in the country and Taylor Tatum showing up, I wish in during uh, winter, but he'll be here in the summer. Um, but as excited as I am about the potential of that room, Eddie, it's like Gavin Sawchuk in the what nine games he's played as a sooner, like where he's registered a rush. I mean, that's nine games out of two seasons. I just can't help but worry. Like, is that an injury? Like, do you look at him as like, he's an injury concern until he proves otherwise, because it, it was just a hammy pull. If yeah, he played the next week, I'm sure he would have played, but, sure. but that was our last like sight of him. And it was just kind of a reminder of like, yeah, he just cannot remain healthy for a full season. It's so weird too, because it's not like it, it never seemed like it was an injury that's like, Oh, so he's going to be down for a while. It was always kind of an injury. Like you said, that was, Oh, okay. So it's a hamstring. So those take a while, but at the same time, can you get him onto the field? And I think that that's certainly going to be his main focus going into uh, 2024 is, you know, obviously staying healthy. The Javante Barnes thing, I think is like one of the most confusing pieces or bits of story of news that has come out of Norman in a long time, because we went from talking to him. Like I, I, I remember is like the second week of August and he was talking about like how healthy he was, how the foot felt great. And then, you know, by the Texas game, even it was like, he hasn't seen the field in three weeks. Like what's, what's going on. And I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think that that is like one of the biggest storylines going into the spring is what the hell happened to Javante Barnes in 2023. And like you said, I love Taylor Tatum. I think that he could probably have a role within the offense, but him coming in in summer, I don't know how that does that set him back any not going through the spring ball and, like the guy that we always forget about, at least I do, is Caleb Hicks, who there were times throughout the year. Looks the part. That, yeah, and like there were times throughout the year, uh, I remember particularly at the end of the, uh, this past year, that is like he's taking like first team reps during practice. And it was like, oh, so is he going to be playing this week? Mm-hmm. It was just so weird, the the rotation and like what do you do with Tawi Walker? And I know that a lot of the people within the fan base wanted them to put him on scholarship. But, you know, I, I think that that was one of those things that, they love Tawi, but at the same time, you know, he had the dust up with uh, DeMarco during uh, the season. I can't remember what game it was that he was suspended for. So uh, I think that was a deal that they're like, we'll support you. We'll do everything we can, but you just can't technically stay yeah. here. And I, I, the Sam Franklin kid that they got out of the transfer portal, like he was a guy that they identified early in the process. They wanted that guy. And, you know, you look at what he was able to do at uh, – Eastern Tennessee or Tennessee State or whatever. Tennessee Martin. Tennessee Martin. I do that every time. One I say of them it's Eastern Tennessee. Yeah. Sorry, my apologies to the uh, Tennessee Martin Patreon subscriber. <laughs> it, it, it. I think that he's going to be somebody that, like, when you look up, I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting not a, a bulk of carries, but I do think he figures in at some point. I mean, 
to me, like, I, I think the thing that, and I've even forgotten this because, I mean, we've talked to a handful of SEC people on this podcast and they've all tried to reiterate the same thing. It's like, we're not going to sit here and just tell you that, yeah, the Big 12 sucks because OU is, I mean, they were in a conference and they won it basically every single season. So they, they, they res- give respect where respect is due, but it's different in the SEC and not just from the standpoint of like the NFL talent or the defensive line. Teams that succeed in the SEC, it's not just about having the best quarterback like OU has had like for the past, better part of the past decade. It's been because of great running back play. If you've got great running backs, it cleans up so much. And you already got a first-year starting quarterback in Jackson Arnold for next season. And I just wish we didn't have a question around the room, despite what we've seen. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing that most fans are worried about but if you want to look at it glass half full when you're talking about the running back room there's a lot of talent in there like they are a very talented group and if you can just you know like you said keep somebody like you Gavin saw Chuck healthy uh if you can get something out of Javante Barnes this year I still think he can be a really good running back we we just truly never saw him last year and if you can get something out of those guys I think that there's a reason to think that you know whether Taylor Tatum or Caleb Hicks or you know Dan uh the the now I'm completely I'm, I'm the Franklin kid, uh, Samuel Franklin. Uh, if you can get something out of those guys and be able to contribute and produce, uh, I think they'll be fine. And you know, I that it 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 all everything with Oklahoma offensively in 2024 gets back to how good is that offensive line going to be? And I think that that's a little bit of a scary question, right? When you look at the numbers, when you look at uh, you know who they have in there. Uh, development's going to be important, but you would think that a number of these transfer portal guys, whether it be uh, Spencer Brown or whether it be, uh, you know, the, the uh, Garen Hatchett kid that they just picked up from Washington, Michael Tarquin, uh, Imichi uh, in Wahoo or whatever. There you go. How you say it. I, I, the I'm North having, Texas kid. I'm having some, yeah, he's going <laughs> to be referred to as the North Texas kid at Sooner Scoop for a long time. Uh, you know, I think that, like, he's a really good player. Like, you talk to people that know offensive line play. It's like, he might've been one of the better pickups that they had this year, but you have to have those guys come in and be pretty good. Like you have yeah. to have Spencer Brown come in and be something of what you got out of Walter Rouse this year. Mm-hmm. And if, if those guys can be good, I think that they can be pretty competitive. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've bounced this off to like the other two people I've had on the show so far since in the off season, Hoover and Benson about um, essentially like the offensive line conversation. Um, you know, I don't want to come off as someone who's like Bill Beanbow's got to go. Like I'm not in that com- I'm not in that boat whatsoever. But what I have stressed is like his track record is one thing, and it's very impressive. And yeah. it, it should give you the impression that the guys that they've identified that they brought in, the guys that they already have, like they're going to find a unit. Hopefully sooner than the seventh game sure. of the year, but they're going to find a unit, and it's going to be pretty damn good. But my my concern is. OU has been able, and Bill Beanbow have been able to do that in the Big 12, where there are very few defensive lines that can truly challenge Oklahoma's offense. 100%. They can challenge them, like, with weird schemes and stuff like that and get you thinking when you shouldn't be, you know, like, they can do stuff like that in the Big 12. They're not going to do that in the SEC. They're just going to be like, we've got five stars in abundance, and we'll just kick the shit out of you. Yeah. And so I don't know if you can tinker with your, you know, your five-man rotation um, as much as Bill Bino likes to as de- and deep into the season as he does. And so th- th- that to me is the concern. Now, yeah. with what OU is facing in the SEC early on, like it's somewhat manageable. I mean, Tennessee, Auburn, 
they could be great. I mean, we'll see what happens with the NCAA investigation with sure. Tennessee, but Auburn was really bad last year, but it seems like in the SEC every year, whoever was bad the previous year, they just flip it on and they win 10 or 11 games the next year. Um, so I mean, it could be a relatively manageable situation for Bill Beanbow in this offensive line, or it could be a nightmare. But at the end of the day, it's just a different challenge that we've not seen Bill Beanbow go through. Yeah. And that's why I'm just like, the track record is one thing, but we have to reserve judgment. 100%. And I think that this, you know, this upcoming year is going to be important for Bill, just, you know, obviously on the field, but I think it's going to be just as important off the field with the 2025 offensive line group that Oklahoma, simply put, they need to hit. They need to hit on some big talent. And you look at some of the guys, whether they be out of Kansas or whether they be out of Texas, you know, we've talked about on the uh, unofficial 40, Josh has talked about it, just in terms of the 2025 offensive line group is maybe one of the better ones that has come out of that the state of Texas in a long, long time. And you have guys that you've already made some really nice inroads with. you got to be able to finish it. And that's been something that when you look back at whether it be, you know, really, truly like the 21 class or the 22 class uh, in Norman, just as a whole, they had a bunch of misses. And I think that you look at what they brought in this year with the six guys that they brought in and the, the portal guys, they should be able to make it work. I just don't know if that's going to be the difference in, is this a nine and three team or is this going to be a seven and five or worse? And if it's seven and five or worse, then you really are kind of up a shit yeah. creek. The weirdest thing about like trying to project OU's, you know, 2024 season is just how impactful saving retiring is because yeah. I mean, when the schedule was released, it was all like, Oh, you could very well be eight and two going into that bye week. And then all bets are off. Like they can go eight and four and people will be happy or they could split those two, those final two games and everybody would be very excited or hell, maybe they're special and they win both of them. I have no idea what to expect out of Alabama. Therefore I have no idea what to expect um, in terms of like, how am I going to project OU's 2024 season? I feel like I'm going to change my mind three or four times in the off season as we, get, as we get closer, but like Alabama is such a unknown. And it's so weird to say that. And the interesting thing, and Alan Kenny wrote about this on the Patreon was just the difference between Saban retiring mm -hmm. and, and Saban is a billion times the coach that Lincoln Riley is. He's a billion times the coach that a lot of coaches are, you know, with respect to him. Uh, but he retires, Alabama then kind of goes into a tailspin. Lincoln Riley retire or goes to USC, and a few players leave, including the eventual Heisman Trophy winner, but they remain relatively steady. Sure. They do lose seven games the next sure. year, but obviously it, it looked pretty misnomerish by them winning 10 games just the next season. It was like a home. Brent inherited one of those like mansions that you see, and it's fucking awesome out in front of it and then you get inside and it's like shit we got to go through this room and clean it we got to go through the kitchen and redo it it was like a full almost like a makeover from a house that looked really good from the outside and i think that you know you obviously saw the what had kind of dropped off under lincoln and i think a lot of people around here were talking about it and we're getting made fun of, of the national perspective of things when he left and it kind of came to fruition and it wasn't a fun way to learn about that but i think that there were some lessons learned in brent's first year they improved on it in year number two and now year number three is kind of like that jumping off point and i think it's kind of fearful because it can go one of two ways you can either you know acclimate yourself and the transition from the big 12 to the sec will be somewhat seamless or the other side of it is, fuck, what did we sign up for? Like, what 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 kind of stupid-ass decision was this to join the best conference in college football? 
and it, you know, it's like anything else, like the, the sport just in general is changing as a whole. And I think that looking at a schedule and going, you know, nine and three, what a disappointing season, which was the norm around here. You're going to go nine and three. Okay. Can, can you get into the 12th spot or can you get into the 11th spot? And I think it's going to be more about making the playoff and we'll see. Like, I, I think that like schools are preparing for this massive culture change or this massive shift in the landscape of college football quite differently. You have the Oklahomas of the world that, you know, kind of head down. They're doing it the way that they've done it to a certain extent for years and years and years, even though things have changed drastically under Brent from uh, Lincoln, or you have the, you know, the schools that everybody talks about right now, whether it be a Missouri, whether it be a Tennessee, I guess not Tennessee, but whether it be a old miss is a good example of teams that are going to just throw as much NIL money as they can and they're, they're going to see if this works out. Yeah. And the track record for a lot of these schools, whether it be Miami or A&M or, you know, any of these schools, it, it hasn't worked out. And it's actually been the opposite of getting close to working out. It, it's been a miserable failure by, uh, you know, basically every standard that you could go by and most importantly, wins and losses. So it's kind of an interesting test case right now. Uh, but, you know, like two of those teams, when you look at the back end of the schedule uh, going into 2024, I was talking about this on the message board the other day. It's like, yeah, you get through Tennessee, Auburn and Texas. Interesting. That's going to be very interesting. But then you get to the back half of the schedule and you can maybe take out South Carolina. Old Miss, they have the main game in there. But then the, the close at Missouri, Alabama, at LSU. That's terrifying if you're talking about you need to win out or something to get into the college football playoff. Like, yeah. I think that Missouri is going to be a very interesting case study in 2024. Of- I mean, Luther Burns going to shred the secondary because, uh, I mean, until they prove it, uh, zone coverage is something that this defense is still trying to figure sure. out. So sure. I, Luther Burden can torch OU secondary, but OU can still win. So it's, Yeah, no, uh, and I, I think that, like, with the people that they've lost this year, Missouri, you would – Almost kind of the running back. a little bit of a step yeah. back. Yeah, Cody Schrader was awesome. You can only get so far with, uh, I mean, I know Brady Cook was good for their standards. Sure. I, I still, like, even watching the the Cotton Bowl against Ohio State, that where it was, like, the team formerly known as Ohio State, yeah. I'm just like, this guy is, he's all right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think that, like, there is, like, a certain element, just like the college football fan in me, that kind of likes Eli Drinkwich. They, they have, like, he's a... He's good for college football. You need those kind of characters. villain type characters, but at the same time, I think that you know he is a little bit of a, I don't know, used car salesman. I think would probably. Be I, I think it he's wrong. a dork. I just think he's yeah, kind of a dork. He is. He is. <laughs> and I, 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 but it is like he's from Norman, Oklahoma. Is he really? Yeah, he was. He's a, I don't think was, I realized he was that. born here. I did not realize that. Yeah, I mean. He was. He's from here. Sam Pittman isn't. Wasn't he from? He's from Oklahoma. Yeah. I don't know if he's from. Uh, he. I think he's from. Uh, one of the towns up by Tulsa, like uh, I, I, I want to say Miami, but I know that's not right. He's from that area. I think okay. Larry Coker's from Miami, but it uh, it'll be it'll be interesting, man. I think that like this is one of those times within Oklahoma athletics and football, any sport really, softball, baseball, basketball. It's very interesting to see how this this transition is going to be, and now that it's kind of here, it feels real, but I still don't think it's going to be real when we're going to Oxford or Baton Rouge or Auburn or wherever. It's just going to be different. God, you know, I actually was thinking about you the other day. I just, I was, 
I like that, Brady. <laughs> we need more of that. There you go. We need more people like that. I had um, I had YouTube playing like random highlights, and I was actually kind of curious, like what what do some of the environments look like? Because I'm already trying to plan on going to Auburn uh, for that game at the end of September. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about also going to Ole Miss if I am financially able at that point, because the Auburn trip's going to be it's going to be pretty pricey. Because you're, I'm also trying to turn it into a weekend or a week long trip to Destin because yes. it's like three and a half four yes. hours away. Do that so. Um, if money available, I'll probably end up going to Ole Miss as well, but I'm watching like it just kind of YouTube algorithm, like takes me to Ole Miss and LSU. That game was bonkers. Like nobody played defense. Um, it was, I think 55 to 52 was the mm-hmm. final score. Ole Miss won. And it, the, the environment there is just, it's so, it, it's like the cotton bowl. If fans were somehow on the field, yeah. um, and not just in the stands and then I thought, man, Eddie's going to be right there. Oh, it's like I, I, you just incredible. like right behind the goalpost, man. He's going to be right there. It's, <laughs> it's going to be incredible. And I think that, like to a certain extent, uh, Oklahoma might be. It might be like a little bit different because every time that we travel somewhere, it's all. It's for the most part over the last ten years has been the biggest game for that school. And it, it's going to be like that every weekend, though. Whether you're going to maybe outside of Vanderbilt, like every other school is going to be that atmosphere that you expect and maybe a little bit more but and i think it's going to be just that's just because this is what it is like oh, sure I, i'm sure like sec schools are chopping at the bit to like oh you think you're ready for this Oklahoma. oh 100 at the same time though it, i've always felt that it's it's going to be a different environment in terms of like big 12 schools over the last decade or so it's just been like you said it's been their biggest game of the year it's the game that they circle they can go they can win three games if one of them is against ou everyone's going to remember it the coach is going to get a raise or like manufacture that leverage it to a bigger job the sec like the Ole misses the missouris the arkansas they're just going to say we've got a better team than you we don't give a shit who you are and i like that better than oh we're going to get we're getting Kansas after their bye week. They're going to throw all this bullshit playground circus circusry at OU, and it's just going to be like, please don't screw up. Yeah. Like it's going to be a more it's going to be more indicative of like how talented is OU as sure. a football team instead of just like, okay, don't let up against this team that you are clearly better than. Yeah, you, I don't think you'll have to worry about uh, getting beat because you're a seventeen and a half point favorite or a twenty eight and a half point favorite like they have uh, in the last couple of years. But at the same time, you are stepping up in competition. It is, I think, like from just a week-to-week grind, to not sound too cliche, that's something that is very real. And, I, you know, I think that that's kind of where, I guess, if you want to take the you know glass-half-full look at it, that's where like somebody like a Jerry Schmidt's going to come into play. And I do think that that from just a like off-season strength and conditioning type, I guess, look at it or perspective – they should be in pretty good position. I mean, the guys, the guys that have been here since Schmidt came back, yeah. like, so they're going to be entering their third year of yeah. winter conditioning. Hundred percent. That's where you're going to see a lot of like, you know, anyone you saw, that you saw it in year one to year two. Yeah. And I think that like I remember talking to, uh, I think it was Ethan Downs or it might have been Danny about it during the season, like leading into August, and they were talking about you know you would walk into when Schmitty first came back there was a bunch of people that had never been through those workouts before and you're basically just trying to survive in that first year versus the second year where you knew exactly what was going to be happening you kind of had like mentally and spiritually already prepared for it <laughs> and i think that like that's why it's such a rude awakening for you know the uh, freshmen or whoever coming into the program you you really have to acclimate yourself to everything that's going on and the demands that are brought and, you know, I think that that's why 
just not even from a football perspective. That's why it was so important that you got guys like Danny Stutzman or Billy Bowman or Woody Washington, Ethan Downs, any of these guys that, you know, decided to come back. They can be the true leaders that Oklahoma not necessarily has been missing over the last couple of years, but you have some like true OG, like veteran statesmen of the program that are going to be able to, uh, I don't know, maybe kind of push everybody throughout the offseason. Yeah, it's going to be interesting just to see how valuable that experience on defense is going to be for OU. Because yeah. there there are defenses that probably are far more talented than Oklahoma's 100%. defenses in the SEC. There's probably like three or four that you can just rattle off right now in terms of like recruiting rankings. But there's something to be said. It's just like in college basketball where there's a team full of the, two of these guys are going to be lottery picks. Another guy's going to be an NBA player for 10 years. And then they run up against a team full of like guys that have stuck around for three or four years. Cause they're not, they're not NBA players, 100%. but they're savvy enough and they're old enough and they're physical and they just beat the shit out of the kids. Yeah. So will you be able to do that is the big question. Yeah. And I think that like in certain, some circumstances, you can probably win a lot of football games off of that. Kansas state's been doing it for a long time, but at the same time, you have to be able to go out and not only recruit, but develop the five-star talent when they get to campus. And I think that that is one thing that like, sure, Nick Saban was great. He got a bunch of recruits. They, they were always in the top of the recruiting rankings, but those motherfuckers developed when they got to Tuscaloosa. Like they just didn't wake up one day and he starts rolling all these guys out. And I think that like, there's a certain buy-in, there's a certain culture that, you know, Brent's obviously trying to build. And I think that like the culture now is much better than what it was three years ago under Lincoln or four years ago under Lincoln. But at the same time, you have to have, you know, the, the Jimmy's and Joe's as they like to say. And I think that it's going to be rather important that Oklahoma, and they did it this past year on the defensive line and bringing in a group, you know, with David Stone, with Nigel Smith, uh, you know, with all those guys that they brought in that, you should be starting to position yourself to be really good up front over the years to come. How quickly can those guys acclimate themselves? How quickly can a David Stone step in and be a guy that he's expected to be? Yeah, and if I hate to use this school as a comparison in terms of like look to this example to, I guess, have some hope and optimism. But, I mean, A&M would just throw out every true freshman defensive lineman they had during yeah. the season because to me I'd always think like – I just don't know if that's the smartest thing to just assume that David Stone, Nigel Smith, Danny Okoye, like all these guys are going to play, not just play, but play like a very impactful and influential role on the defense Mm -hmm. day one. And this is before, you know, all these guys, like Brent was able to convince all these guys to come back. So that's already kind of like off the table. Like they're not going to start unless they are truly like Tommy Harris, like freakishly good um, once fall camp starts. But um, still the talent is going to like show out and they're going to play and it's just so odd to think that it's it's oh you fans are like praying that an 18 year old like please show us the way yeah like please show us the way because it it has been it has not been pretty on the defensive line for the last decade or no. you know uh, you know they, they, they've had was, their they've had their fair share of you know guys that have gone on and played in the league and yeah they just haven't had that guys like uh that guy's he could win an Outland Trophy one day. Yeah, you know it's like those are the types of guys that they've been missing. And when you get down to it, you're getting ready to enter a conference where all those guys go. And I think that like that is the biggest, most important thing is being able to win the line of scrimmage, being able to. That's why there's you know that's why the conversation about the offensive line. Like if you're just saying, are they going to be good? Yeah, that offensive line is going to be pretty good. Are they going to be elite, national championship caliber type? 
offensive lines or defensive lines, that's where you start wondering, like, okay, where is Oklahoma going to fit into the grand scheme of things? I mean, OU to me, like in 24, I mean, I've kind of viewed it as an absolute soft launch. And it's not, it's not just due to like the talent that's coming back. Cause mm-hmm. OU's got a lot of talent coming back. I just don't know where they rank in the hierarchy of the SEC. Sure. Um, now, I would say that how OU has conducted itself, at least this offseason in the portal, has made me think like, okay, they're really, they're, they're trying to like identify, like they're not, Wanting to throw money to the four wins. I get that. There's a part of me that wants that. You know, I, I just want to be able to be like, oh, thank God. They got some former five-star yeah. player. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to tell myself, if they're viewing their first year in the SEC as a soft launch, where they've got a lot of young talent um, at key positions, where exactly do we rank in the SEC? And then once you go through the season, you can better identify where do we really need to spend the money in sure. the portal or in NIL? Because Brent's already killing it in like on the recruiting trail. Yeah, 100%. It's only going to get better in the SEC. 100%. Um, but to me, it just seems like they're, this is about as close as OU football is ever going to get to truly understanding that maybe we don't have what it takes fully to compete at the, to the standard that we are accustomed to. Therefore, we're truly looking at 2025 as like, that's where we'll truly flex our muscle. But I could say that and... OU just is awesome next year because yeah, sure. they are talented. Sure. And I, th- I think that that's like been the most frustrating part with fans and especially going through the portal process and everything that that was is why isn't Oklahoma throwing the million and a half at Walter Nolan or why isn't Oklahoma, uh, you know, basically offering every single kid that gets into the portal if they had, you know, this many stars along their name. And I think that, you know, that's kind of where the gamble is with, uh, you know, particularly the old misses of the world where they're doing that. Like, they don't care. They're just trying to stack talent versus what Brent's trying to do in terms of using NIL. But you have a market value. And we're not going to go over that number. But if you want to come be a part of this culture, if you want to come be a part of this program, you will take what we're offering you. And I think that, like, there is a gamble just in terms of, okay, does this ideology work best or does this ideology work best? And we're really going to be able to see kind of that come to fruition this season in 2024. I think it's going to be fascinating to see if, like, can you still build a program that is trying to take that next step back into elite level through kind of some of the old traditional ways of a good locker room, a you know, a good culture along with going out and getting, uh, you know, really, really talented guys. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see that you fully, fully recovered from the uh, Cincinnati road trip. <laughs> Cincinnati. That one wasn't too bad. Uh, the one that I hated was San Antonio. I just don't like San Antonio in general. You got a Charles Barkley beef with San Antonio. No, it's just like, I, I appreciate the river walk and all that stuff. San Antonio is a cool place. I just don't know if that's where I want to spend my Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what are the mid tier bowls in the sec? Like there's the, uh, you got the capital one bowl. I guess that's, that's a new year's day bowl, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of gator places. bowl. Yeah. Like the gator bowl, Liberty bowl, the, uh, the old, is it, did they still call it point set or Gasparilla bowl? I think is one of them. The, uh, Oh, what's the one that, uh, they the Mayo Bowl is one of them. Oh, okay. That's an SEC the, game. Yeah, I really, honestly, haven't really taken stock of it. Hopefully, 
don't have to worry about it. <laughs> you don't have to worry about trips to Lubbock anymore. Yeah, I I always kind of had a soft spot for Lubbock. It it is uh, it's an interesting place. Do you ever uh, do you ever eat roses in Lubbock? Roses, Tex Mex. No, I didn't, but I know what you're talking about. The best. Is it really? Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend's family is from Lubbock, and her brother still lives there. Yeah. So occasionally, when she goes down to visit, I'm always like, "Bring please, it back, please bring." Yeah. I don't care that it's a seven hour drive. Yeah. Like, just bring, just it, bring back. it back. That's awesome. There there are going to be some places that like, and I know that it was kind of new to the rotation. I guess I say new. Oh, you'd been going up there for a decade, but like. I love the Morgantown trip. I thought that was Interesting. a lot of fun. Like, I like Pittsburgh. I think it's a cool town. I like Morgantown. If it, it, it's just a hardcore like party college town. Like, it's it's exactly what you see on you know the reels and stuff on the on Instagram. And those poor guys. They they finally beat OU for the first time once in Big Twelve play in Morgantown. And they couldn't even burn their couches because it was pissing rain that day. I know. The, the weather was always shitty up there. It was always like <laughs> you either knew that it was going to rain or you knew it was going to snow. And I think that a lot of that had to do with just the time of the year that it seemed like Oklahoma was always going up there. But uh, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to, I'm to a certain extent, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss Stillwater. I've always enjoyed the Bedlam rivalry. And it's kind of sad that like being up there uh, this past year, you know, obviously the game didn't go how Oklahoma wanted it to, but I'm going to miss just that, I don't know, maybe that trip, just in terms of what it is. I enjoy Stillwater as a college town. Went up there a bunch when I was in college uh, to go visit buddies that were up there. So it's uh, it's just different. It's going to be completely different. And I think that it is exciting to a certain extent, knowing what Oklahoma is signing up for. Yeah. Um, I mean, are you a little bummed that media days in Dallas? Uh, I'll tell you what. Da- yeah. Nothing wrong with Dallas, but it's like, I mean, come on. We could have gone to Destin. Dude, we, went we, to, <laughs> we went to Nashville last year for the SEC media yeah. days. It was awesome. Nashville's a cool town. They have a, The setup is perfect. Uh, and I'm sure that the setup and all that kind of shit will be the same down in Dallas. But, yeah, like I am – It Dallas is just kind of one of those trips that we go down there so much that it doesn't feel like you're going to this, like, other city. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of just feels like, okay, uh, we're going back down to Dallas. So it's uh, it'll be different. I know the – isn't Big 12 doing theirs in uh, Las v- Vegas this year? Yeah, like, yeah, for no reason. I, <laughs> I don't think that I ever want to go to Las Vegas and have to work. Like, I, I don't think that yeah. I would want to go cover – you know, certainly I would want no part of the Super Bowl. Uh, that's going to be a fucking like circus. The media day shit. I would never want to be in a scrum with 500 people. If you're ever bored, if you're ever bored and cause I'm sure you could get credentialed very easily. If you're ever bored, uh, the NBA does it correctly with summer league. I did that two years in a row. I've heard that's awesome. And it's, it's just awesome. Cause you've got free reign to both arenas. You yeah, can go, you like, can, aren't they like connected? Yeah. Yeah. That's you can awesome. just, the, yeah, you can just walk back and forth and watch, you know, basketball yeah. all day and then you can leave and then go enjoy Vegas yeah. and then recover by watching more basketball yeah. played by a bunch of friends. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard it's I've heard it's awesome. That is something that I would enjoy going to. But that doesn't seem like again, that's like something where it doesn't really seem like work even though it is work because it, it's, it's summer just, league. You always can fall back on this idea, ah, it's summer league, who cares? Yeah, it's just a big networking conference oh, sure. essentially, especially for like our purposes, but I mean the the biggest thing that I ever got was like, "Whoa, just stepped on my foot trying to like walk in front of me." And he was like, like, hey, man. And I was like, don't ever fucking do that again. Yeah, he might Weirdo. block you for that. <laughs> um, real, real quick before I get you out of here, Eddie, because um, I, I know you are not necessarily the the recruiting czar um, yeah. for Sooner Scoop. But, I mean, oh, you just had their junior day, um, which apparently was 
very successful. And, you know, who knows how OE is going to evolve or adapt their, um, their uh, view of the portal. Who knows how the portal is even going to evolve in terms of how NIL, how the players are viewed. Cause I mean, Joe Castiglione has talked ad nauseum about how he wants players to unionize and like, OU wants their players to be viewed as employees because OU is one of five, six, seven athletic departments where if that's the case, we're getting everybody we want because OU makes a lot of money via its athletic department. So um, that's certainly where OU would want it to go. We don't know if that's ever going to be the case or when. So knowing that, that all the, you know, the chips are being pushed to the prep players out of high school, everything is centered around high school recruiting. I mean, how important is it still like, yeah, you're not going to get the, uh, the, the, uh, I guess the, the hopium from seeing a graphic about a portal player, but Hey, this kid in 2025, 2026, like OU making great inroads in terms of building a relationship with this player. Sure. And I, th- I think that like high school recruiting is still very important. I, and I think that like the one thing that you can kind of fall back on as an Oklahoma fan, and this might even be going all the way back to after the first season is they were able to put together a top five class going five and seven. So that tells you that they're doing something right. They're selling something that people want to be a part of. And, you know, I think that anybody that has had personal, uh, you know, conversations with Brent Venables, you get one-on-one with him. He makes you feel like you're the most important person in the world. So you can see why for 30 minutes, he, uh, and it might be 45. (laughs) Don't, don't get into a short, don't plan on getting into a short conversation with them. It's, it's one of those things though, that, they've been able to stack really good recruiting classes. They're coming off of another year in which they were able to finish with another top 10 class. And I think now it's about, you know, really centering in and getting, you know, the five stars that they've been able to land here over the last couple of years. And I think that, you know, they're, they're able to sell, uh, you know, a product and a vision of what they want to be. I think the the culture helps, especially with junior days and getting kids to campus and the presentation that they give parents all that kind of stuff is very, very good. And I think that, you know, they're still, they're recruiting very well. But again, like what does very well, what what does that stack up to when you're looking at going to the SEC where you can finish in the top 10 in recruiting? If you're number 10, you might be number six in the SEC. Yeah. It's just, it's a different animal these days. And I think that, you know, the one thing that, I always fall back on with the transfer portal and Oklahoma has benefited from the transfer portal, particularly at the you know quarterback position, probably just about as good as anybody is there's a reason that a lot of these guys go into the portal. There's a reason why, uh, and it, I think it's changing as we go, but like, there's a reason why, you know, this guy, he didn't work out at, you know, whatever school, the former five-star he's looking for a new home. You just got to be very careful about how you approach it and the guys that you bring in. They're vetted, obviously, but at the same time, is he going to fill a need? Is he going to be an instant contributor? Is he going to be a guy that can come come in and really be a difference maker? And I think that you know, like DJ Terry, somebody that we often forget about on the defensive line. That he was good. When had he, a had a pretty good year. Yeah. You would expect him in year number two to have an even better year. That's the hope. Yeah. How's uh, how's radioing with uh, Ryan Chapman? It's good. I enjoy it. I think that uh, I would say this if Ryan was here. I think we'd be much better if we weren't waking up at five o'clock in the morning every day. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, you know, it's something that like I think I sometimes and especially like, you know, maybe at this point of the year, maybe even during the summer when, you know, you don't want to get up at five thirty or, you know, five o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I 
I just fall back on this idea that it's something that I, you know, growing up in Oklahoma City, I always wanted to be able to do. I probably don't appreciate it enough is what I'm trying to say. And I think that it's, uh, you know, certainly a lot of fun. And I just hope it, we can continue this. I don't know if it's going to I don't know what's going to happen first. I either die or just continually don't wake up at 5 a.m. and end up showing up at 630. Well, when you die, you're still going to have to report to the studio. Probably, probably. Well, with the, you, you probably know more than uh, well as well as anybody the uh, the communication up there. Even if I do die, <laughs> they would they would probably uh, still expect me to be in. <laughs> you wouldn't get a big story of the day email. No, it, yeah, because that would be sent out at seven thirty the night before <laughs> about it, something that's not the big story of the day. Eddie, thanks, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it always, uh, anytime, and uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be a fun kind of transition I, I, it's going to be certainly exciting from a coverage standpoint but I think just from a generic like just a college football fan in general I think that the way that college football is working nowadays and they're going to need to get some help from whomever that may be whether that be senators or the worthless NCAA or whoever uh, it's a it's a it's an interesting time but I think that there's going to be more eyeballs on the sport than maybe ever before with uh, just the changing landscape of what this thing's going to be because it's not just OU in Texas. It's USC and UCLA. It's all the Pac-12 schools coming to the Big 12. It's just crazy right now. It really is, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, who the hell is going to win the Big 12? I think we would all, all would have said Arizona That's until great question. two weeks ago happened. I think Utah's still going to be really good. We'll see what, you know, we'll see how, how good... Uh, Cam Rising could be coming off of the it's, injury from last it's year. It's Utah, Kansas State, Oklahoma State in terms of like the established cultures yeah. in that conference. Sure. So those are the ones that I would probably lean towards. But yeah, like Arizona probably has the most talented quarterback. One of yes, I would, most I capable. Would, yeah, for sure. And I think that you know you look at like a, the, a school like a Texas Tech is completely fascinating to me because in this era of college football with NIL, they have. They are very, very good. They're very well set <laughs> yeah. in the uh, in the money market as far as uh, oil money and everything that's there. And I like Joey McGuire, and you look at what they were this year, and everybody expected him to be that team this year, and they just weren't very good. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see like how some of these schools that are going to try and be big players in the NIL game, can you marry that into a football team that can go win on Saturdays? Yeah. And they have a lot of talent. I think that, you know, that maybe this is just my viewpoint of what Brent's trying to do and what they're trying to emulate here or build from a culture standpoint. How does that work when you do have that loss that was unexpected? And even though you're still in the college football playoff, does that start creating dissension within a locker room? Because everybody knows that, you know, this guy's making 1.5 million and maybe he is a little bit more worried about his NFL draft stock now as opposed to going and playing for a national championship. Anyway, hopefully you all enjoyed that. Eddie, thanks again. You bet, man. Appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, everybody, thank you again for listening to Through the Keyhole. We will be back with more shite for you to enjoy and to consume, and we'll try to make the offseason a little bit more fun for you. But until next time, everybody, for Peyton, Allen, Burton, myself, we will talk to you later.